0: Father, I thank you that this is your beautiful uh, house and this, your son's bride and spirit. You are the one that brings the riches and the wealth and all that the Father has. It is Jesus now and announces it, not by your own uh, jurisdiction, but because you hear Jesus saying, tell him this, tell him that. Let him see this. I want him to see that. We know that you spoke when you walked the earth in parables disciples said, "Why are you speaking parables?" And you said, "cause it was for them to know the mysteries of the, ki- of the kingdom of God, but to those outside or those who unwilling to apply or listen, that it was going to be just in parables. It's because Isaiah, having saw the glory of God, was given a commission to declare that those who see but don't see and hear but don't hear, and hearts that don't understand because of the eyes growing dim and the ears dull and the heart's hard, lest we would see with our eye and hear with our ear and turn with our heart, and you would heal us. So, Lord, you are masterful in what you've done. May I remind you, because we are absolutely dependent upon you, Jesus, your words were, no man comes to me unless the Father drags him. And no man sees the Father unless the Son wills to reveal him. This is the oneness of God. We are not barging in. Would you invite us in tonight, today? Would you bring us into the intimacy of God, the love that you shared with Father in the beginning, the glory that was yours from before time began? Seven spirits of God. Fire that burns before the throne, illuminate our hearts today. Help us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. When we start, we'll we'll look in Jeremiah 29. Thank you, everybody, for your warm listening, willingness, willing to listen to me. Yes, last Wednesday when we, last Sunday when I shared, out of the. Ten blogs I wrote about Jeremiah in America and the comparisons. I didn't get near the finish of them, so there's more. But I'm going to stay on the the context of what we're discovering today. Uh, if you didn't get the blogs, they got taken. Everybody that were printed, but they're online. But let we we close with saying there are there are four things God looks to see, find on the earth in his in his believers in order for for three things to come to earth from heaven. Four things on earth, three things in heaven. And when they come together, there's everything that we could ever hope for begins to turn right. And the way he taught us was that when things are going wrong, there's somewhere a disconnect going on. Now, we'll go through hard times and they're meant to gourd us to pursue the Lord even more intentionally. They're meant to try to, from the the devil's perspective, take away our faith, get us to die and curse God. But from God's perspective, he knows the faith he's given us will not fail, though we will fail many ways. So when we are in in the pressure of life, there are four things. First is to humble ourselves. Prayer has to start as I am the inferior coming to the superior. I am coming to Christ, who is the all-supremacy and all-sufficiency of God. And though I am in Christ, I am not yet fully experiencing what I've been given, so I'm humbling myself so I can learn something. So I'm going to pray, which means I will be honest. Honest prayer, an honest heart never goes unrewarded. The times that I come closest to God is when I do not blame God, but I acknowledge my place of, of where my heart—I've discovered my heart is—and when I can be honest in my heart, then I experience God's attentiveness. And and we read, sang that song. I uh, I all week was thinking about the song of um, not show me your heart, although that was one of them. But the one was about seeking with your whole heart. So He says, humble yourself, and pray. Seek my face. And that is what I want to focus on because there isn't a, is a grace if you will receive today to re-engage or engage fully in seeking God for the season we're entering into. A seeking time is every time that the season is passing and a new season is opening, I must seek God because the old... I have to let go of, and I have to discover what that is, and the new I have to lay hold of, and I've got to figure out what that is. And you'll never get lost if you're seeking God. I had a picture while I was praying for us this week. Um, imagine yourself in in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. No land to be seen, no land no nearby, far, far out. But you're in a vessel, a sturdy vessel, ship, uh, uh, ocean-worthy vessel and you've got fuel, you've got a sail, but you have uh, navigation systems, electronic and compass are all gone. And now you it's time to get to land. Now, what we would know, and this would be the same if you were lost in the mountains with trees everywhere, uh, hills within hills upon each you, one you get to the top of is to reveal another height. Or in a desert with sand dunes everywhere. Uh, the, the point is you can't, get de- you can't get your bearing by looking at what's close by you because the circumstances are repetitive. Trees upon trees, sand dunes upon sand dunes, mountains upon mountains, ocean over ocean. Was that you would look for the North Star, Right? You'd find the one star that never moves. Watch all of, if you've noticed ever, you, once you find the North Star, you can, uh, once you find the Big Dipper, you can find the North Star. And once you find the North Star, you'll notice that the Big Dipper goes around in a circle. Well, it's not really it's going around in a circle. It's weird. we're going around in a circle. And our view of, of the Big Dipper is changing, but, this, but we're focused on the North Star. Well, that's what seeking God is like. Seeking God is the only sane thing a human and especially a believer can do in times of upheaval, of crises, of opportunity, is to recalibrate so that we can know where we're to go from here. Say, maybe you don't want to go north, but, but, but sailors would learn that from the North Star, you can then determine which way is west, which way is east, which way is south. And you can begin to continue to move then toward the right star that's representing that position. And you just will get far closer to your destination, whether in the mountains or in the sea or anywhere. So, um, humble myself means I, I need help. I, I'm not the one that's sufficient to figure this out and do it myself. I need some help. Pray. I need to be honest. I'm not trying to flatter God, not tell him how wonderful I am and how much I deserve this help. But I need help. I'm lost. I got lost. Or my 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 emotions are starting to break down or my I don't know what to do. But then I don't stop there because that would just be praying with myself. But I go on and I go, I need to see your face. I need to find you. I need you I need to see you here now in this moment. And we'll talk about the about the New Testament, seeking God, but then the fourth thing is turn from my wicked ways. But the word turn from is the same word as to, as to return to God, and really that's what we do. We don't we don't focus on most of the stuff that I turn from is things I was not aware I was turned toward until I got my eyes back on the Lord, and then I realized I drifted here, drifted there, so. When life is not working, that we know something inside us is to be better. Now, a lot of us, I know, I'll be honest, I get lazy. I'd rather, you know, if I can live with life not as, you know, 70%, I'm cool. But it's when it hits the 50% or the 40%. There's a, every one of us have a place where we go, I can't handle this anymore. I gotta, I've got to get some re- relief. And we'll go to all kinds of places to relief. I found that uh, uh, pizza is good television's fine, Netflix, something. You know, just a distraction, and there's great time for great distractions. But then there comes still the end where I don't still know any better what I am to do. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know how to move, so I'm kind of just still in that place. So I humble myself. I pray. I'm honest. Seek the Lord, his face. And then I in respond. As I turn toward him, I turn from, as I turn Toward light, I turn from darkness. I turn toward God, I turn from the power of Satan. So it's, it's four things. When those four things are in operation within a people or a person, three things happen in heaven. God hears us, which infers that there are some prayers God never listens to. An honest prayer, he will hear. Cry out for help, he will help. Call upon the name of the Lord, we'll be safe. But there's this praying, you know, we shared last week. The Pharisee goes into the temple to pray. And a, and a tax collector, two men. Pharisee prays, and it's, Jesus said, I'm, the Bible says in Luke 18, I'm giving you this parable because I want to speak to men or women who trust In themselves that they are righteous. Now, that's a comparison factor. The only way you can ever consider yourself righteous is to find someone worse than you and compare yourself to them. But compared to God, we're all filthy rags. So, but he says, so he trusts in himself that he was righteous and despise others. You can always tell self-righteousness because you hate other things. People irritate you, sin irritates you, everybody irritates you. So the man prays for himself, Father, God, I thank you I'm not like other men. What a, what a bad prayer. God, God, you are just like other men. If the truth be told, and those who know the Lord closest will say, but for the grace of God, Amen. there go I. You take whoever it is, whatever it is, whatever type of person it is, and then Rather than having that, but for the grace of God, there go I. That's humility. But instead, he says, I'm not like other men. I I, I, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything. I, I'm not like a public, I'm not a tax collector. I'm not even like that tax collector over there. And so it says that the tax collector wouldn't even lift his head to heaven. He He, you know, everybody knows who they are. You can, you can. Talk yourself out of what you are doing and okay with what you're doing. But deep down inside, there's those moments where you have to come to honesty. I'm I'm far from you. I don't want to be. But this is that moment for him. He beats his breast. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Not looking up. It says, Jesus said, that that tax collector went home justified. Justified means he'd been brought back into right fellowship. Right? Union. And the Pharisee did not. In fact, his prayer never got past the roof. He still had a prayer meeting with himself. And then it says, Jesus says, for every man who will exalt himself, God will humble. And everyone who humbles himself, God will exalt. There's one thing I found about God is that he does not like pride. They started this whole mess. Lucifer thought highest, exalted, you know, archangel leading worship, doing all kinds of great stuff, a lot of activity flowing through him, directed by him. And he started to think, you know, well, I'm doing a pretty cool job. In fact, I think my job is as important as God who's receiving it. In fact, I don't know why I should have to be serving him secondary. I could just be as, I could do this without him. And he just conceived iniquity. Iniquity is, I can do this without God. My way's the right way. I should have my own opinion. Who are you to tell me what I should think? God can't tell me these things. And when that broke, there was a time he was cast down. And he then sowed it into Adam and Eve by our desire to be like God, without God. And then the whole mess kept going. So but God is committed to resisting pride. And if probably anybody, it's mostly his church. Because we're the bride. We're the one being made in the likeness. So when God hears from heaven, the first thing he does is he forgives. Which I, that ought to tell us a lot about our performance on earth. If God's first response to an answer, an answer, a hearing a prayer of humility, honesty, seeking the face of God, turning toward God and away from wickedness, is that he forgives is that there probably is a lot of static of unforgiveness in our souls that aren't being released. But when they are released, he heals. Hears from heaven, forgives, and heals. Real time. You know what I mean when I say real time? I'm not meaning at the cross when he did it all and when the blood was atoned, brought into the holiest of holies in the... the, but for that moment of where I've got myself all clogged up and and, and, I've, and, they, and, and now I'm going, oh, oh, he's forgiven me. I'm so free. I'm healed. I'm whole. You know what I know when I'm healed is I don't regret the thing I've been regretting. Salvation without is repentance to salvation without regret. Godly sorrow takes me to repentance to salvation without regret. Worldly sorrow makes me die, this collapse in life. So, praise the name of Jesus. Twenty-nine, Jeremiah twenty-nine. Uh, I need to keep telling myself, I want. I'm on a seeking God mode. I've had them many times. Uh, sometimes uh, I starts off by being aware that I can't do what I'm supposed to do, and I'll tell God, "You're going to have to do it." And then later, God says, that's true. I am going to have to do it, but you're going to have to seek me because I don't give anything away for free. Cost everybody something of value. So give me your time. Give me your attention. And go after me with all your heart. And I usually have to kind of be backed into that corner. I'm not usually uh, just looking for more time. I mean, I, I have my time with God every day. I, I can't live without having my time with God every day. But there comes times when that's, that's sufficient for the season I was in, but we're changing season. I don't know how we're going to navigate. So I'm, I've got to really let go and lay hold. I've got to forget the things past and press forward to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Reconnect. Jeremiah 29 is a, is a letter God told Jeremiah to write to the captives in Babylon. <clears throat> The the exiles have been taken to Babylon, and with them, kings and priests and prophets. And they have built a kind of of, uh, a a sound stage, if you would. They're they're making a noise, and they're building comfort, and they're trying to help, and they're trying to make a a, a focus, a a lost people that have been taken exile. They don't know that the people that got to go in the exile to Babylon were the basket of good figs. And the ones that were left in Jerusalem were the bad figs. They didn't know it was to their benefit that they had been taken. But amongst the prophets, they're saying stuff like, in two years, King Nebuchadnezzar will return all of the treasures of the kingdom and the temple back to Jerusalem. And so they're creating a... uh, uh, kind of a temporary thinking. We're only going to be here for two years. And yet Jeremiah had already prophesied. God told Jeremiah, it's going to take 70 years before I deal with the return. So he gives a letter, and he says, uh, verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive when I caused you to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. You have to understand, again, the Bible's big, bigger than my American thinking. But Jeremiah 31 says, he who scatters will also gather. So he can gather and he can scatter. And there are times he has to scatter before he can gather. Sometimes he has to allow the circumstances of life, the choices we're making to go to fruition before we can understand that they're lies, they're idols, they're things we don't really want to possess. So he says, I carried you away. To Babylon. Build houses, dwell in them. Plant gardens, eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminish. God is always going to bring us into a better place of increase, but it's not always through the path we want to go through. That's why we have to get that discernment. Is this a long season? Is this a short season? And seek the peace of the city where I cause you to be carried away captive. Pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. We have to remember that. If we start cursing any form of government or, 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 or neighbors, then we, we dismantle the very structure that God would bring to secure greater and greater peace. So it's, it's really, you dwell with your neighbor is to dwell at peace. So therefore, we want to have good relationship with our neighbors. We want to uh, pray over for our neighbors and so forth. For thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, do not let your prophets of, and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For the prof- they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, says the Lord. That's a conflict. But the maturing of the church is to be able to discern the voice of God in the word of God, and beyond that, leave it alone. Don't try, to for, don't try to go beyond that. There's stuff that, you know, there are prophets, like Agabus was a prophet, and he said this is a famine that's coming. He spoke to Paul and said the one who owns this belt is going to be, you know, there's, there's prophets. We have no problem with prophets. But if they go beyond God's Bible, then I have a big problem with the prophet because it's going to cause me to err in trust and reliance. And as Jeremiah, God had to speak to Jeremiah and Ezekiel, he said, if the prophet was mine, he would deal with the heart of man and they would repent of their wickedness and I wouldn't have to discipline them the way they're headed. So there's that kind of prophet moment where you're going, whoa, whoo! I didn't know I had that bad breath. That stinks. And, or there's prophets say, hey, everything's wonderful. Don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to go perfect. Just all beautiful. That was kind of the conflict. So that says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Now, just hear that for a moment. God had set a time pattern. And we won't go into the why, that time amount. But he said, after this, then I'm coming. I'm going to visit you. I will visit you. Hey, it's time to be visited. I'll perform my good word towards you. Woo! And I'll cause you to return to this place. But no, I know the thoughts I have. I think towards you. We love this verse. We love this verse, but it was a verse given when God had to say, it's not the way you want it to be. It's the way I say it's going to be. And I know the thoughts I think toward you. You need 70 years in Babylon, not two. Don't shout me down. It's true. There are things God knows about discipline that takes a certain amount of time. Like Moses to take a man out of Egypt and make him into a leader for Israel. He has to have 40 years you know, being beat down by his wife who won't let him circumcise his kids. Take a nation out of slavery and bring them into the land of promise. They're going to have to have 40 years of being led by a pillar of cloud and day and a fire by night, and learn to. Uh, everything comes from the mouth of God. I, uh, you know, you, you we think, hey. How come Israel had to spend that 40, 40, you know, 40 years? They could have been there in two years, one year to build a tabernacle, and within a few months, it would have been across the Jordan. Had been, and, and I used to think that way. And then one day the Lord said, you know, it took me 40 years to get Moses ready. It takes me that long to get anybody ready. In that state of eradicating you out of slavery mindset into a sonship submission to the father mindset. From the utter dependence. Yeah, it just takes a while. So God knows. So don't, uh, however long it's taking is how long it's taking. You don't have to, there's no timeline with God. We're all going to get to where we're supposed to be, to the likeness of Jesus Christ in one glorious moment. And as the time hastens, it will probably be a lot of expediting. And the more we've been laboring, the better we will yield in his coming. And the more we so it's, it's all worth it. Every prayer is worth it. Every Bible reading is worth it. Every separating myself for giving God time is worth it. Because he knows the plans, his thoughts, I think, toward you. The thoughts of peace and not evil. I'm going to give you a future and a hope. Okay, so that sounds really beautiful. First, I'm going to visit you. I'm going to cause you to return because I know what I'm doing. Then you will call upon me, and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. There are times for seeking God. There are moments of transitional time where God says, I need to hear from earth, because I've got a plan to release from heaven. When Moses was called out of his training for reigning school with Jethro, the priest of another God, he was called by the burning bush, the angel in the burning bush, because the burden had grown so hard on the Israelis, the Hebrews, in Egypt, that they began to groan. See, there's things about this. I always want to fix what's going wrong, and I'm always the first to get ready. I'm a firstborn. I'm responsible. I'm ready to get involved. But it's taken me all so many years, so though I really can't fix anything. And the more I fix it, the worse it gets. The more I apply my effort, my discipline, my ideals, my opinion, the, the, the worse it gets. So, how do I not do that? I have to come to these conclusions. I can't do it. You know, it's like, yeah, just let's go take a lesson from AA. I am powerless. That's the, that's where prayer begins. I am powerless. I can't originate it. I mean, we can't originate it, but how many of us are happy with what we originate? All right. See, I told you this is going to be better for communion doing this first. <laughs> so, he says, "Then you're going to call on me and you're going to pray. And I'm going to listen to you." You say, "Okay, cool. I did it." I'll do it tomorrow morning. We're done. And, oh, there we go, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I believe that what God has prepared for his people, the eyes have not seen nor ear heard, neither entered the heart of man, the things that he's prepared for each and every one of us is beyond anything we could imagine. But it won't come easy. It won't come free. It will come at the cost of a heart searching. To seek means to to do whatever it takes, however it takes to find a way to find what you're looking for. And that you're in the face of God. I'm seeking the face of God. Just start that, you know, our vocabulary. I'm doing it, I'm saying, I'm seeking you. I am seeking your face. I mean, I'm thankful for everything. I'm grateful for everything. I rejoice in what you've done and all the time, but I'm seeking your face because I know where I am isn't where I am to be in the end. And I can't get to where you are unless you come alongside and enable me. So the only, th- only thing I know to do now is to seek your face. I'm seeking your face. I'm seeking your And I'll, let, I'll just remind him. I'm telling him. And he's, he knows that. And he's rewarding me because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You can't escape that. He does not give anybody who are lazy. I'm sorry. We've been living in a blissful tranquil, slow-boil, frog-in-the-kettle mindset. <laughs> Enjoying life in the Americas. And all of a sudden, it's not working like it was. The church's not working like it was. We're trying to re-engage it. We're now getting in battles with each other, fighting the bad. When, when who knows? Maybe it was because we just quit following the Lord, brought the world into the church, came up a new man. Me, let's make it easier for people to get saved. Might make them ever feel like they're sinners. Seeker says, I've done it all. I've done it all. Seems like a good idea. That's how you get idols in church. That's how they got idols in the temple. You go, well, that that worked for them. Let's try it over for us. I don't know that. That's why we read what Josiah found when the law was read to him. He was so taken aback about the wrath of God that was over them that the day before he didn't see. He didn't understand. Now, I'm not. Now, that's why we have to get into the New Testament. and we'll, um, Let's finish that right now. <clears throat> but he says, you will seek me. You will find me. And when you search me with your whole heart, and I will be found by you. So, beloved, I am saying to us today. Father is saying to us today, seek my face. I have something that I've already determined, that I want to do for you, that you will love me doing. It will be out of captivity and back into abundance. It will be out of trouble, back into my blessing. It will be back into purpose. It will be all the things that I planned for you, but I want you to seek my face. And when you do, with all your heart, I can't tell you what that looks like for you. It's not measured by time. It's not measured by technique. It's measured by uh, 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 sincerity, truth. To one, seeking the face will look like this. To another, it's, it's in the Bible. Biblical patterns are there over and over and over again. But it's, it's value. It's value added. I have, I, the, the one thing I need to do today is seek God's face. And when you start in any season, you don't know that you weren't seeking His face until you start seeking His face. And then you realize, I wasn't seeking your face. I was seeking a better life. Or whatever. It's nothing. It's you see, how do we not know these things? Because we can't not know these things until there's a call that God says, time to go, time to move, time for the cloud to move. Everybody take down your tent. Pack it up. Let's move. It's a training. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. How do you know it's a season's change? Because God starts saying, I'm going to change the way you look. I'm going to change where you're at. I'm going to do things that you had to give up on. I'm going to undo the grief and the sorrow and the pity and the drama. I am going to dismantle this in captivity. You're not supposed to be living here. And there's something inside you. You know, I'm not supposed to be here. This isn't where I'm supposed to end. This is not where I'm ending. So there's so many other illustrations, but I want to take you to a New Testament declaration. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and we'll close with this and do communion. Because the Old Testament is filled with stories of just, I mean, over and over and over again, those who seek God prosper. Those who who, who do not seek God do not prosper. Those who are in trouble can seek God, can find him, like, and those who value God above man find him. It's just oh, it's just filled with it. But it's sometimes we we might re pick up some of the some of the practices that aren't necessary to reapply ourselves to because of what was accomplished in Jesus Christ. So we have to know how to seek the Lord in Christ, because here I am in Christ. I'm in Christ. Well, how far can I get from God if I'm in Christ? Apparently, I can get really far. <laughs> That's the funny thing. I can get just as far away in my covenant with in God in Christ as I can as the covenant of Israel was. So Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, Therefore, just let these few words just be a door opener, a possibility. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard lest we drift away. Earnest heed. We must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard. That means putting into mind, keeping in mind, practicing with our thinking, applying ourselves, discovering what this all means, just giving earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. Now, this is possible in so many places, but I know it from surfing. There's always a current going in the ocean. You can't really see it from the land because it's, you see more of the waves. But if you're in the ocean, there's a current. Typically, it goes south. On this northern hemisphere, but it can also go north if there's a southern swell. Sometimes the swell, because of the, 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 the way the shoreline is, can be very steep. I remember David would love to go surf up in Pitus and at big swells, and literally on his little shortboard, he'd have to be just paddling just to stay in the one place he's at because ne- there was a place you catch the wave. The reason you catch a wave in a certain place is because the bottom, the contour of the bottom, the flow of the wave, the, the, all of that creates the wave, and you, you get out to that spot. And the way you set yourself is you don't have a buoy, so you have to look at the shoreline and find one or two land markers. And then, you know, if, I'm, if, if when I look and I see that house or and I see that, uh, rock, then I'm in the right place. Through practice, I, how do you learn that? You have to practice it. You have to experiment with it. And and a different swell creates a different break, and the wave comes a different way. And you know, and a different tide affects the way, whether the wave breaks here or you should be there. So you by surfing a spot, you learn those different variables, and you start learning to mark you. Now, if it's uh, uh, like a lazy day, like it's been lately. You'll watch people. You, you find your friend out there. And then you start talking. How you doing? Good to see you. Wow, the sky, there's no waves. Wow. And, and you don't realize. You just start drifting just down the ocean. And then all of a sudden, either the wave comes and hammers you or that wave that you're waiting all day comes and misses you because you weren't paying attention. That's what it means here. But here, we're talking about the truth of God's word, the truth of Jesus Christ, this great salvation. For if the word spoken through angels, that's the first covenant. The first covenant was given to man through angels, uh, through an angel. That's who st- showed up at the burning bush, who Jesus, God said it would take Israel, whom Stephen says was the covenant given by. It was an understood mediator through an angel proved steadfast, and every transgression due dis- disobedience received just reward, which meant if you rejected the word of the covenant, you would die. So there was a real seriousness about what was given. How then shall we escape? Think about this. Believers, how shall we escape if we neglect? Neglect is kind of like just get lazy. Well, you know, I'm saved. I'm a believer. I love God, I think. Most of the time, I think he's pretty good. Better help me a little more. You know, just neglect. What? The great salvation. What is the great salvation? Jesus Christ. Who he, what God accomplished in his sacrifice, what he brought forth in his resurrection, who he is as an intercessor. This great salvation. And this salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord. Imagine Jesus was the first to begin to proclaim, here is the salvation the Father has promised and the prophets have prophesied. I am here the day the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He begins proclaiming this great salvation, which at uh, and was confirmed by, to us by those who heard him, the John, the James, the Peter. This is the word of the Lord. That's why we have the gospels. So you understand, if I don't spend my time in the New Testament, I'm going to drift away. There's a lot of kooky stuff going around. It just isn't in the New Testament. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff that's going on that's augmenting what God's doing. But if you, how do you tell the difference unless you're inside the word spoken? And it was confirmed. They heard thousands of years of growth in, some, in, in, in truth of the word. So I can just kind of get saved and, okay, I'm saved. All right, that's cool. Now what are we going to do for lunch? Or there's those moments where you are going, I, I know I'm saved. If I die today, I know I'm, I really have confidence. That's, that's a done deal. But I need to be saved right now. I need, I need salvation here and now. I need help. I need help, and I know I'm not supposed to be here. I know it's not God's will that I'm staying sick. I know it's not God's will that I am under this depression, oppression, depression, discour- discouragement. I know I'm not supposed to be here, but I don't know how to get out of here. Everything I'm doing isn't working. Time to seek the Lord. Time to seek the Lord. I've drifted somehow. I didn't know it. I wasn't trying to. Now, time to seek the Lord. Time to read the Bible. Time to get back in. We're in that moment. We are in that moment. We are in that moment right now it, it, within an, a year lives could totally have taken a new place forever for until the next season how do you know when you heard when the lord's heard you you feel forgiven it means you dealt with stuff that you didn't know you needed to deal with but now they're dealt with you're forgiven
1: and you're healed
0: And all that grief and sorrow, pain and anger, frustration, questioning, why in the world? How did this happen? What did that do? It's all gone. Oh, I'm ready to run again. And God starts to show up and says, here's where we're going. Let's take communion in our hands, please. I thank you for being the people you are and us being the people we are. There are things in our lives today that are there to get our attention. Not to submit to them, but to submit to God in the midst of them. To find God. So Lord, we come to you today. We pray. We humble ourselves. In our hands is the elements of communion. Of the bread, Jesus said this is his body broken for us. If you'll take it out for a minute. His body broken. The one man who never needed to, needed to be forgiven became the one man who was made sin for all of us, sick for all of us, diseased, depressed, discouraged, separated, sorrow, a soul for an offering of sin. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do you need Jesus? Where do we need Jesus? I need Jesus so many places. But as I'm returning to Jesus, he's also releasing me from limitations that I place upon myself, thinking I have to be this or I have to be that. I have to receive this broken body. And when I receive the broken body, I enter into a covenant. I wasn't going to keep the covenant by my own works, but I was going to come back into the covenant every time I returned. Healing comes to my body. Strength comes to my life. A sense of purpose returns. The word becomes alive. All of this here at communion right today, if we but need it. If we hear God saying, seek me, I want to give you more. Lord, thank you. You made communion on the first night, nobody had a clue what you were doing. And I still don't have barely a little information what happens when I eat this body. But I know I declare your death till you come. And I know that every time I start again, I start at your death. So we can have resolution to the past and we can advance again into the future. Lord, thank you that you have undid all of death. By your submission to death. Thank you that you destroyed him by the power of death and delivered us from the sphere of death that came to our aid in every situation we're in. Thank you for what the provision of your body is. Let's go ahead and eat together. Now if you open up the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, remission of sins in my blood. We will always be being forgiven, not in a state of forever sinning, but in a state of relationship. We are always known as the forgiven, the redeemed. Does not mean we have to return to our sin, but we also does not mean that we're able to not sin if we drift away from the Lord so the goal is him and the blood gives us boldness and gives us confidence and and removes our conscience sprinkles our conscience from an evil our hearts from an evil conscience just makes us accepted and free and forgiven and so right now as we drink I want take a moment and receive everything that is wrong being resolved through this blood, everything that is being uh, locked up, being unlocked through this blood, everything that is carrying regret and remorse, being released from regret and remorse into wholeness and forgiveness, Receive. Uh, the remittance of sin extending to your others, to those closest to you, those far from you, those who are hurt you. Release the power of forgiveness. Just let God begin to make everything perfect as he made it perfect. It's all perfect by the blood. It never gets more perfect. We just mature in it. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Lord, we thank you for the cup of the new covenant, the remission, remission of sins in your blood. And we drink of this remission of sin and receive it to extend to in our life, to every place in our life, to everyone in our life, to anything that's regarding us or regarding your work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Just, just worship for a moment. Just let him, let him heal. Let let forgiveness flow, let hearing welcome come alive. Turn your heart and say, Lord, I wanna, show me how to seek you in this season. Stand with me. I'd like to release a blessing. We'll continue worship, but I want to allow you to go on into your day. That's where you have things you got to get to. In the name of Jesus, I declare the Spirit of God to come in a force and might power, clarity, illumination, and help, the fear of God upon us in such a fashion. We will know that there is another alternative to the one I'm living in. There's another plan than the one I'm locked up in. There's another place than the one that's trying to keep me captive. In the name of Jesus, I declare even now a freedom from within and a freedom without. I declare opportunities that have been withheld to open up. I declare opportunities that have been withheld to open up. I declare healing to come where sickness is stubbornly resisted, the healing power of Jesus Christ. I declare the vibrant life of the Zoe, of Jesus, to drive out and eradicate death and discouragement and despondency in Jesus' name. I declare in Jesus' name an unction, a knowing, a wanting, a readiness, a desire to get up and go for God, find him, though he not be far from us, but he's close to us. I declare vision. I declare in Jesus' name the scriptures now come alive. Every every person reading the Bible will begin to hear God speaking to them inside of the Bible. And the Spirit of God will take the truth of the Bible and demonstrate the truth of the Bible inside of the person reading. And they'll become transformation. They'll become sanctification, consecration, entrance into the glory of God. I declare there is a door open over all of us. In Jesus' name, a door open for all of us to pass through to pull from God, to receive what we do not have, to let go of what we do not need, and to go after the one who is our prime objective in this life, Jesus Christ. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I declare the joy of the Lord for mourning, the beauty of God for the ashes and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Put them on, receive them, take them home. They're not supposed to be left in the church. They're yours to wear, we're ours to carry. I declare victory, victory, victory. God's victory, not ours, God's mercy. Blessing, go in the love and mercies of God.